0: Amen, friends. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Matthew 20 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. Matthew 20. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. Uh, there's a blue one underneath the seat you're sitting in. You can reach down there and pull out one of those blue Bibles. And Matthew 20 is on page, one, or page 915. 915 in the blue Bibles. Matthew 20. We are wrapping up our series this morning. Actually, I'm excited. Next Sunday is a brand new series. We're actually launching a number of things uh, next Sunday. We're launching the, the student ministry huddles. Uh, We're gearing up for our Kids Gospel Collective uh, midweek series, and we're launching a new series. We're launching small groups. Uh, it's a good time to, to be kicking the tires here at Flourishing Grace. Next Sunday is going to be a fun Sunday for us here. Um, however, we're wrapping up this series today on Beholding Jesus. Beholding Jesus. And uh, we've talked about this a little bit here. I'll, I'll kind of give you the quick synopsis. So here at Flourishing Grace, we, we create this thing called the Path of Flourishing. We're going to talk more about that as later this year. In a few months, we're going to talk more about the Path of Flourishing. But it really has these three main arteries, these three main buckets. We say, I mean, if, if we're not walking in these three things, if these three things aren't happening in our lives, you, can't, you cannot be growing in a flourishing relationship with Jesus. And those three things are beholding Jesus, following Jesus, and becoming like Jesus, right? If, if that's not happening, then there's no flourishing. It's just not possible, right? And, the, and it all begins with beholding Jesus. And so as we kick off a new year, and as we begin to make resolutions, and as we begin to kind of develop plans and strategies and hopes for our year, man, we have to begin to take beholding Jesus seriously and more seriously than we ever have before. We must be a people who behold Jesus. And so we've talked about some of the practices um, within beholding Jesus. However, in the path of flourishing, there's kind of these two other buckets that kind of sit, sit out on their own because they flow in and out of all three of those other buckets. They influence how we behold Jesus. They influence how we follow Jesus, and they influence how we become like Jesus. And those two buckets are the buckets of community and overcoming. Community and overcoming. Community says you cannot flourish alone. You just can't. You can't. You're never going to find a flourishing relationship with Jesus alone alone right? You may have come to a place where you acknowledge Jesus on your own. You may come to the place where you know Jesus on your own, but you will never actually walk in a flourishing relationship with him alone. You, just, you, just, you won't. You can't. You're not designed to. And then overcoming says, I mean, there are things in your life in particular that you must overcome, that you need to do. There, there is some self-discovery that needs to happen in your life for you to overcome some things that stand between you and a flourishing relationship with Jesus. You cannot flourish without some self-discovery. So both community and overcoming help us behold Jesus. And beholding Jesus helps us grow in community. And of course, it helps us to overcome our sin. So the first thing I want to talk about is community, right? The question, how does community lead to flourishing, is actually... A very easy question, right? That's not a hard question. How does, community, how does community lead to flourishing? Research tells us that you simply cannot flourish alone. You can't, right? There's, there's tons of science behind this idea that you cannot flourish alone. Loneliness, or the lack of community, it's been associated for a long time with stress and anxiety and worry, right? The more lo- alone we are, the more anxiety and stress are produced in our lives, But it's actually much more than that. In 2015, researchers at UCLA discovered that social isolation triggers cellular changes, right? Our bodies actually change when we spend a significant amount of time alone. And this results in chronic inflammation predisposing the lonely to serious physical conditions like heart disease, stroke, cancer, and even Alzheimer's. Researchers have found that loneliness... It's just as lethal as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is just as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So my French friends would say, it's fine. Smoke your cigarettes. Just do it together. And you're fine. It balances each other out. The science is there. You're good to go. People are 50% more likely, lonely people are 50% more likely to die prematurely than those with healthy social relationships. Even my introverted friends would say, I don't like being around people, but I know I need it. There's something in me that gravitates towards my people. I don't like big groups. I don't, I don't like big parties, but my people give me life. My community gives me life. There's something there that I need. I can't, I can't exist alone. I can't flourish alone. Yet the problem is this. Nearly half of Americans always or sometimes feel alone. 46% of Americans would say, "Man, yeah, I feel alone a decent amount of time. And 47% would say, I often feel left out. There's a community of people in my life that are doing fun things and they're they're engaging in life together, but for me, I just don't feel like I'm actually a part of that. Yes, they're my friends, but they're not my community. Yes, they they love me, but I'm not included in that. I'm, I'm left out. Almost half of Americans, and over half, over half of Americans say that they sometimes feel that no one knows them well. Even the people who, who know me, they don't really know me. Most of, the, most of Americans would say, yeah, the people in my life who are closest to me don't really actually know me. And additionally, 56% of the people say the people that they surround themselves with are not necessarily with them. I know that doesn't make any sense, but this is what, it, this is what I just said. The people who I surround myself with aren't necessarily with me. Right? There's this idea that I have a lot of friends. I, I, I have so many friends. I have such a great community. It's so amazing. But when you actually press into that and you say, where are they? Well, they're, they're online, they're on Facebook or they're on Instagram, or they live a thousand miles away. For many of us in this room, right, for many of us in this room, you didn't, you were not born here, you didn't grow up here, you weren't raised here. You have good friendships, but it's not your actual community. I have several groups of men in my life who I've I've met in different places along the way in my my journey. I'm not from Utah. And and every year, these guys, we get together either here in Utah or we go meet up someplace else. And they are my dear friends, life-giving friends. But they're not my community. At one point in time, they were. But they are no longer. Your community is somebody who lives with you and does life with you and engages with you on a regular basis in a healthy way. You don't need anyone to tell you the importance of community. In fact, even over the past year, as we've walked through this idea of social distancing, and I'm not, I'm not making a statement here on whether that's right or wrong. I think, I think it's good and it's helped us. But here's the reality. We also know that it's hurt us. We also know that it's created. Listen, I, you know, I don't have to convince you of this. Anybody been a little bit more grouchy in the past year? Just a little bit? A little more short-tempered in the past year? Anybody's kids? Get under your skin a little bit more in the past year, right? The more we are alone and isolated from community, the more grouchy we become. It's just not healthy. And the truth is, there's no flourishing there. You cannot flourish alone. The question, how, how does community help me flourish, is not a good question. It's an easy question. Is what it is. It's, not, it's not a bad question. It's, just not a, it's an easy question. We know that community helps us flourish. The question I want to ask is this, what makes a community truly flourish? How do I find a community that's actually flourishing? What makes a community actually flourish? I know I need it. How do I make it? How do I form it? How, how do I be a part of that? That's where we're going to go this morning. Matthew 20, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to pick it up in verse 20. Matthew twenty twenty. If that gives anybody anxiety, we can just skip to 2021. Anybody? Just kidding. Matthew 20:20. Let's go. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, right? James and John came up to him, Jesus. So the mother of James and John comes up to Jesus with her sons, kneeling before him. She asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand, and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered her, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and sit at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, They were indignant at the two brothers. Now, let's stop there for a second. Here's what's what's happening. Here's what's going on. The mom of these two grown men, okay, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, the, the, the mom of these two grown men comes to Jesus and asks Jesus, she says, here's what I want. I want my boys, I want one to sit on your right and one to sit at your left. In your kingdom, I know your kingdom is coming. I know you're going to rule the world. I know that you are going to establish your rule and reign. And I believe that to be true. And when that happens, I want my boys to sit second and third in command. You're the king. I'm not denying that. But my boys, listen, listen, they're a little bit better than the rest, right? They deserve to sit at your right and your left. And then Jesus stops talking to mom. He looks right at the boys. He says, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink from the cup that I'm going to drink? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure we are. I can do that. I can do whatever. I can do anything for you. But they don't understand what Jesus is saying. Is, you don't understand him. In order for me to establish my rule and reign, I must go to the cross and I must drink the cup of the wrath of God. Is that what you're going to drink from? They don't get it. They don't understand. They're thinking this cup of glory, this cup of goodness, this cup of of hard work. Yeah, yeah, I'll drink from that. But then Jesus says to them, you will drink from that cup. You will suffer greatly for your faith. But as to who is going to sit at my right and who's going to sit at my left, and that's that's for the Father to decide, not for me. And then the other ten disciples kind of overhear this. The go- the rumor, the gossip begins to spread, and they're like, "Wait a second! You asked for what? Hey, who do you think you are, sons of Zebedee? Like what? 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 What gives you the right to ask for that?" And then Jesus says this, and this is where I want, want us to understand this morning. he's he gives us something here in verse twenty five. But Jesus called them to him. He calls his disciples over. He says, come come here, boys. He says this to them. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to serve, but to not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, listen, the Gentiles, when it comes to the way that Gentiles do community, right? The rulers rule, right? If you, if you go to Rome and you say, no, no, I want to rule, you're going to die for that, right? A couple of weeks ago, we we watched. These crazies storm our nation's capital, right? If that would have happened 2,000 years ago in Rome, they storm Caesar's palace, not Vegas, Rome, okay? If that happens, they all die. If they don't die in the moment, they're caught later and they die a worse death. The Gentiles lord over their people. That's how it is in that kingdom. That's how that kingdom is. It will not be that way for you. What Jesus is doing here, whether you picked up on it or not, is he is establishing a way for the people in his community, in his kingdom, to flourish. Here's how relationships are going to be in my kingdom. This is what it's going to look like. In order... For your community to flourish, the individual and the community itself needs to overcome personal flaws and shortcomings and ultimately sin in order to grow out of some bad things and to grow into some better things. We need to learn how to become servants and slaves for our friends. This is what Jesus is calling his disciples to. And ultimately, it's what he's calling you and me to. How do we learn to put aside our pride? How do we learn to put aside our comfort and our desires in order to become servants and slaves? Uh, Andy Crouch wrote a book called Weak, Strong. And in it, he kind of uh, kind of sets these two things next to each other. He talks about uh, authority, right, strength and authority, and then, then weakness, which is really... Uh, ultimately, vulnerability. And he kind of sets these two things next to each other. He defines strength and authority as this. It'll be on the screen for you. He says strength and authority for him is one's capacity for meaningful action in the world, right? So your, your strength and, or your authority is measured by you, your ability to engage, to actually do something meaningful in the world, right? To, to, to step up, to, to lead out, to, to rally people around you, to do good for people around you for people to actually respect you and revere you, to revere you, your, your capacity for meaningful action, let's, let's go. Capacity for meaningful action, that's strength, that's authority. Weakness and vulnerability, on the other hand, is one that's exposure to meaningful risk in the world. How much are you willing to actually risk? How much comfort, how much safety, how, how, much, how much are you willing to meaningfully risk, not meaningless risk, Right, he's not talking about skydiving. He's talking about meaningful risk for the sake of others. That's weakness and vulnerability. And he kind of ge- he gives this um, this graph, right? These two accesses, and I'll throw it up here on the screen for you as well. He says, "Man, this is this is what community looks like. A flourishing community looks like." And he has these two two accesses, right? One one is vulnerability, right? That's the that's the Horizontal access, vulnerability. And then vertically there is authority. Authority. And then he has these four quadrants uh, to kind of represent what happens when you seek different things in the context of community. So quadrant two down there on the lower right is suffering. Suffering. Suffering comes when there's high vulnerability and low authority. Right? When you personally... Have, have high vulnerability, you are open, you are exposed, but you have low authority. You have, you, have no, you have no power. You have no influence. You are just vulnerable. You are in line for suffering. This is clearly not flourishing. The person with low self-esteem or self-worth The person who is enslaved, literally, like human trafficking, or even figuratively enslaved by some deep wounds or insecurities. This is the person in this quadrant. There are some personal things in this person's life that need to be identified and confessed and worked on in the context of community. For the sake of community, yes, for the sake of themselves, but if you cannot flourish without community, you need a flourishing community and your community cannot flourish when you are living with high vulnerability and low authority. You will, your community will never flourish and you will never actually attain it. Here's what, here's what I mean by that. If you sit in that quadrant and you, and you, are, you are unable to move past your brokenness, you are constantly weak, You're constantly constantly unable to fight for higher levels of authority amongst community and and, and continuing that vulnerability, right? The the community will seek to try to pull you out of that. A good, healthy, flourishing community, right, will seek to pull you out of that. They'll say, come on, let me love you. Let me care for you. Let me, let me speak truth into your life. Let me tell you who you are in Christ, not who you are according to social media, not who you are according to your, your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend. Let me tell you who you are in Christ. They seek to pull you out of that. But, the, but if you refuse to be pulled out of that by the grace and mercy of Christ, if you, if you reject that, you say, no, woe is me, right? You'll never actually find true flourishing. you never actually find community. Because eventually that community is going to say, I've tried. I don't know what else to do. And you'll begin to be destructive towards that community rather than building that community up. The same is true with quadrant number three. Quadrant number three is withdrawing, right? Low vulnerability and low authority, right? This is, um, this is actually the sons of Zebedee in our story. L- low vulnerability, right? There, there's, no, there's no risk in their life. There's no meaningful risk in their life, right? They are, their mom is taking care of them, right? This is the kid living in mom and dad's basement uh, who is like 40 years old. And there's just no risk, right? He's like, hey, let's, let's go to Vegas tomorrow. And all of his friends are like, no, no, we have a job. He's like, why don't you just quit? You, like the, he has no concept of, of vulnerability. He has no concept uh, of risk in his life. At the same time, th- there, there's no power there either. There's no meaningful authority. I want all of the community. I want all that has to offer but I don't want to contribute anything. I, I want friends, but I don't want to have to invest in those friends. I, I want friends, but I don't want to have to actually risk anything for those friends. I don't want to be vulnerable before those friends. And I don't want to, I don't want to give anything to those friends. I just want the benefits of it. This person will also never flourish. Number four, moving quickly no vulnerability with high authority, right? This is, this is the worst of the worst. This is raw power. This is high injustice. And this is every other religion in the world, right? The person who says, I want all the authority, I want all the power, but I don't, I don't want to take any responsibility. I don't want any real vulnerability. This person is seriously deter, uh, detrimental to community. Often their group will grow numerically, but not in intimacy, right? They may have many followers, but no friends, and ultimately, this will lead to destruction. This is the person who shows no sorrow, no care, no concern, no vulnerability, but fighting for authority, win at all costs. And it always goes great until it doesn't. This person is explosive, and their community will never flourish, and they will never find a flourishing community. But then the last one, the last quadrant there, that top, right, quadrant, flourishing, right, is marked by high vulnerability and high authority. And I believe that this is actually what Jesus is describing in Matthew 20. It is exactly what he's describing in his kingdom. Here's what he says. Let's look at it again. But whoever would be great among you, high authority, there's power, there's influence, there's right. whoever would be great among you, whoever would be the person in the room who people look up to and aspire to be like, whoever would be great among you must be your Servant, high vulnerability, must seek to serve you. Whoever would be first among you, high authority, the first in the room, the people that everybody is looking up to, the person who is who, who everybody wants to be like, first among you, must learn to become your slave. You cannot grow higher in vulnerability than that. That is the that is the pinnacle of vulnerability. Complete slave. I belong to you. To be the person in the room that has the highest authority, I want to be like them. They, they, are, they are the leader. They're the one that is inspiring us. They're, they're the one that is encouraging us. They're the one I man, that, that I would lay my life down for. But yet they are also the one who is my slave. The one who I know if I ask anything of, they would give it up for me in a moment. When you get a group of people like that together in a room and they begin to develop friendships and their friendships are marked by high vulnerability and high authority, beautiful, beautiful things happen. This is flourishing. And it's rare. Is that, for some of you in the room, you've never experienced anything like that, right? No one in the room is like, oh, that reminds me of my friends in college. No, it doesn't. Like my my friends in my frat house, they were totally that way. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. This is rare. This is so hard to find. And yet it is only, it is the way to true human flourishing. It's hard and it takes commitment from all. And it is the defining mark of how in Jesus engages community again and again and again and again and again, right? We see this in, in Lazarus. When Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, right, he is weeping uncontrollably. High vulnerability. High vulnerability. But then he says, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus raises from the dead. Total authority, Right? Jesus says, been all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Ha, you can't give him higher authority than that. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. But then he says, Paul says, he does not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. The one with all authority shows all vulnerability and bowing to the disciples' feet. Peter says, you can't wash my feet. Jesus, if I don't wash your feet, you're not going to have any part of this. You're not going to be any part of me. High vulnerability, high authority. We see it again and again and again and again. Now, how does any of this crazy psychobabble, right, help us behold Jesus? That's the real question that we want to get at this morning, okay? All right, I get it. I need genuine community. I need a flourishing community. And in order to find that, we need high vulnerability and we need high authority. How does that help me behold Jesus? Friends, what you bring to the table matters for community. What you personally bring to the table matters for the sake of your community. You need to do some self-work. You need to look at yourself and say, who am I? Am I a person of high authority? Am I a person of high vulnerability? What am I bringing to the table of my community? At the same time, What your community brings to the table matters for you. The community you choose and what your community is pursuing matters for you. You are desperate for a community that is intentionally seeking to flourish. And I believe there's two big things that I want to leave you with. Number one is this. Jesus wants to do a work in you through community. Jesus wants to do something in your life through community. There are things that Jesus wants to produce in you, good things, fruit he wants to produce, that he has not yet because he's only going to do it through community. It will only happen when you pursue high vulnerability and high authority in the context of community. As you work to create a flourishing community around you, you will be held accountable. You'll be prayed for more. You'll be encouraged and stirred up to good works more. You will see Jesus working in the midst of other people's lives. And friends, this cannot be produced from 1,000 miles away. I said earlier, I have these deep, deep friendships. And we get together uh, every single year. Every year I get together with these guys. And for one week, they're producing flourishing in my life. But it's just one week. They're my friends. They're not my community. Who are the people here right now that are producing this in your life? This cannot be produced through acquaintances. This is not produced through people that you see every now and then, or uh, the guy in work, the guy at work that you talk to every now and then. No, this must be intentionally developed relationships. This cannot be produced without a group of people who have a shared, selfless longing for flourishing. At the same time, yes, Jesus wants to do a work in you through community. But Jesus also wants to do a work in community through you. I believe that there are things that Jesus wants to do in our church and in others' lives that will only happen when you pursue high vulnerability and high authority in the context of community. People who want to play a critical role to grow in authority, to be trusted and even revered. At the same time, lay down their life for their friends. For the people who come to the place where they say, man, I want to be A person at flourishing grace who is revered. I want to be a person who is trusted, who grows into a position of authority. I want to be a person who leads out, who other people look at and say, Man, I want to be like them. Yet at the same time, I want to be a person who is constantly laying down my rights for those around me. Jesus wants to do something in your life when you'll pursue high vulnerability and high authority, when you will live out in community the way that he has called you to live out. Now, some of you, real quick, some of you are wondering, man, Josh, you you don't understand. I have tried this. I've tried to be a part of a community. I've tried to, to, to fit in, and it just seems like I see these people who have these communities that are flourishing, and these friendships, and, and they're growing, and they're growing in their relationship with Jesus, and they're, and they're deepening and shrinking. I've tried to get into that, but I just, I just don't fit in. I want to challenge you this morning, if that's true, if that's your story, if you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, I want to say something that might be semi-controversial. I want to challenge you to, rather than looking at that community and saying, what's wrong with it, I want to challenge you to look into yourself and say, "Why, why might that have not worked for me? What I have found again and again and again and again to be true is that when there are genuine healthy communities that are genuinely loving Jesus and flourishing, right, and, and, and people have a hard time figuring out their place and their role in the midst of that. It often has to do with them. The community is trying and trying and trying and trying to, to bring them along and trying to include them and trying to, to work on things in their life that they see that are broken and say, man, we want you to experience flourishing. We want you, to, but, but this person's not willing to actually pursue Jesus. And so eventually... They say, man, my community is so unbelievably important to me because my community is helping me behold Jesus. I must invest in that. This person just isn't willing to come along. I want to challenge you to look at yourself rather than looking at that community. Next week, friends, we're launching small groups. I said it earlier in, in our gathering. You can mark it on that card and get more information about it this week. Next week, you're gonna have a chance to, to meet some of our leaders. All right, and these communities are, are groups that meet throughout Davis County that, that sit in each other's homes and they share a meal and things are weird now with COVID. We're trying to figure out how to do it all, but they usually share a meal. They spend a little bit of time in the word. They spend a little bit of time in prayer and they just do life together. Sometimes they just go out and have fun together but they are intentionally working on flourishing. And my hope is, my hope is that every single person in every single community here at Flourishing Grace would say, how do I work on my authority and how do I work on my vulnerability this year at Flourishing Grace? How do I grow? How do I become that person who is looked up to amongst our community, who is revered and honored, or at the same time completely selfless? I want to ask you two questions, and then we'll be be done. The first is this. Do you have people in your life that when you behold them, they make you want to behold Jesus more? Do you have people in your life that when you look at them, when you see the way that they live, you see the way that they love their wife, or the way they love their husband, the way they love their kids, the way they talk, the way they act, the way they carry themselves in their career, The way they carry themselves amongst you, they make you want to behold Jesus more. Do you have that person in your life? Is there a name that comes in your mind? You say, man, this person makes me want to love and behold Jesus more. When I behold them, I want to behold Jesus more. Do you have that person in your life? If not, I'm going to say this, having a true, genuine, flourishing relationship with Jesus is going to be very difficult for you. It's going to be very difficult for you. I want to encourage you to seek out that level of community, to give yourself to finding it, to engage in it. And then the last question is this. Are you that person for others? Are there people in your life that you would say, I am their source? When they, when they behold me, they want to behold Jesus more. Are you that for others? Does that define you? Are you that person for someone when, when, when people behold you, when they really see your life, when they see how you love your wife, when they see how you love your kids, when they see how you carry yourself, do they want to behold Jesus more? If not, why not? I would argue it's because you yourself are not beholding Jesus. And I want to challenge you this morning to begin to seek higher authority and higher vulnerability. To look at Jesus and say, man, I want to behold Jesus and I want to become like him. I release my grasp on my comfort. I release my grasp on my security. I'm going to serve those around me. At the same time, stepping up and leading. Say, I will be the example. As I follow Christ, they can follow after me. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you this morning. For so many of us in this room, we have never found community because we've never actually given ourselves to it. We want all the benefits without any of the cost. We're not willing to risk vulnerability or we want all the authority but we're not willing to serve others I pray that right now that you would instill in us a desire to be first among us it's not a bad thing to lead Step out, to be bold, to have a position of great authority amongst our friends. And yet at the same time, would you match that or even, even beyond that? Would you give us a desire to lay down our lives for them? To say, I will be the slave of my friends, I will be their complete servant. Shape us and mold us to look like more like You. And would You help lead us into communities, into, into friendships that are doing the same, where there's great intent and great work to develop that level of community? Would You give that to us? Those who hunger and thirst for it, those who long for it. Would You produce that in their life? Praise Your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.